Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly biography show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today, a Razorback and NBA pro basketball player, is such an original that even Microsoft's software Word wants to autocorrect his name. Mr. Joe Klein, K-L-E-I-N-E. Growing up in Slater, Missouri, this giant of a man was recruited in 1982 by Coach Eddie Sutton to come to the small town of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and play for the Razorbacks. As Coach Lou Holtz so famously said about his tenure in Fayetteville, it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. It is on the hill, as we Arkansans lovingly call it, that the seven-foot center, number 35, began his momentous career and met the love of his life, Dana. In 1984, while still in college and before professionals were allowed to compete, Joe played on the U.S. Olympics team where they won a gold medal in men's basketball. Professionally, Klein has 15 seasons in the NBA, first drafted by the Sacramento Kings, traded to the Boston Celtics, Phoenix Suns, and in 1998, alongside Michael Jordan and Arkansas native Scottie Pippen of the Chicago Bulls, he won a national championship ring. In Joe's illustrious career, he competed in 965 games for seven franchises with 204 starts, 50 of which were playoff games with 11 starts. Today, Smokey Joe throws his large frame and weight around as the owner of two Corky's Barbecue restaurants in Central Arkansas. It is with great pleasure and admiration that I welcome to the table the winning athlete with too many awards to mention, the lucky, hardworking gentleman, Mr. Joe Klein. Thank you. <laughs> that was a lot. All true? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> you humbly call yourself lucky. You say that. That's why I put it in the script, because you say, I've just been lucky. That's what all humble people say. But I know that luck is often a result of hard work, and that is what all your teammates say about you. So what's your motivation? Uh, you know, we were raised to work. I mean, the, to earn, you got out of things what you put into it um and we weren't allowed to sit around i mean we in the summertime we worked and uh we just were always uh playing ball or swimming or working on a farm so you were born in colorado was, springs right but and early on we moved everywhere but I went, was your dad in the air force no no he just was a salesman oh. uh, now he he was a marine in world war ii i mean he he got he got a purple heart he got injured really bad on Saipan and uh, you know almost didn't make it so you know we we have a big love for patriotism and and, and things of that nature because uh, again that's what how we were raised and it it wasn't thrown in our face but we were just you know his saying all the time was you know God family country mm-hmm. and that's what's on his grave so who's we brothers three brothers yep yeah, and are you a are you a fourth brother? I'm the third. Yeah, Mike Mike who we lost a couple of years ago, he he was the oldest and then there's Peter, myself and John. All 7 feet tall? No. <laughs> <laughs> Mike was Mike and John are 6'6", six, six. Pete's uh runt, he's only 6'2". Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, is your mom tall? No, not really. Is Five, your dad eight. tall? My dad was 6'8". Yeah, everybody on my my dad's side of the family. My grandpa was six eight, six nine. My, Did y'all have a custom kitchen with counters made? Oh no! Are you kidding me? Slater, Missouri. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a lot of custom going on in, in Slater, Missouri. <laughs> Is your wife tall? She's about five eight. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm pretty tall. You, I'm about, five six. Yeah, that's pretty tall. Yeah, I mean she's right. She at puts five heels eight. on. She's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So she no, but she's tall for a lady. I think that's very. You're very true. That's right. So um, you're. Family all played basketball? 
we really were into sports. I mean, all of bro- you just, just yeah. Peter you wasn't as much. He was the one older than me. I mean, although he was a terrific athlete, he was more artsy into music and drawing. Very good artist, uh, and he just ne- never he never took to it. And did you Did you always know you were tall, or did one day you go, Oh wow, I'm tall? No, I, I knew. I mean, I was always the uh, the tallest in my class, you know. And 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 how tall were you in the sixth grade? You oh, bet. I, I, no, I was the tallest. <laughs> I, know that. I think. 10th grade year, somewhere in there, I went from, man, you're tall to, you know, good Lord, you're tall. <laughs> <laughs> did you always play basketball or did you yeah, that come yeah. later? No, I, I just, I always played. I, I just, you know, I was always playing. So when to getting ready, I've watched a lot of your highlights getting ready for the show. And so I've seen a lot of your shots and your passes, but I haven't seen very much dribbling. Do you dribble very well? Tall guys sometimes have a well, problem no, well, with that. Well, no, I mean... I, I could dribble. I could, you know, but it, like. Did they let you bring the ball down? Oh ever? no, never. Because, <laughs> no, because I mean that wasn't the way. That's not the way it was back then. I mean, you, you had your kind of position. If you were taller, you, you went inside and mm-hmm. stayed and, there. Right, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how how the game was played back then. Yeah, uh, you went. You were first recruited to play for Notre Dame. <laughs> yep, went there for a year. Loved it. You did. Yeah, so how did still you come? Love it. Still love it. How did you come to play for Arkansas then with Eddie Sutton? Well, in a I, small town, Fayetteville yeah, was small back then. I, I loved uh, Eddie Sutton. I mean, I didn't know anything about Arkansas uh, except from from him. And and then there was a you know I they were just coming into their own with the triplets, uh, and they were kind of getting notoriety, and, and and they'd always had notoriety in football. So you kind, you knew they had a good fan base and stuff down there and then he started recruiting me and i just and the triplets were moncrief brewer and delph yep and so i didn't realize that they already had a legacy going like that and you were right no they had it they had it going he coached coached got it going i mean they were they were a prominent program. so you fell in love with sutton when he came to visit you yeah i did uh he came he was the first uh, coach to come to my house back then it was really different um you couldn't visit uh, a player face to face until after their junior year in high school. So the day after my junior year was over, Coach Sutton came up with his staff and had an in-home visit with me, and I just. But I thought you said you only played. Maybe it's freshman, sophomore, junior. So you played one year or two years. With one year in Notre Dame, and then, played, he... and then I transferred. I had to sit out a year, so oh. I went to Notre Dame and. The 80-81 year. Mm-hmm. And then I s- transferred after the 81 season. And had to sit out. S- sit out. I uh, sit out the 81-82 season. They don't have to do that anymore. Not anymore, no. I mean, I mean they got portals now. Yeah, they just yeah, move you they, all around. They, they're, there's, they're technically supposed to kind oh, really? of. But no, but all you have to do anymore is threaten a lawsuit and the NCAA goes away. So they really, that's. You don't hear of anybody having. You couldn't even go into the pros till you'd graduated college back in your day, could you? You could, but nobody did it. I didn't think you could. I didn't think it was really even allowed. No, you could. You You could. could. So I know that Pat Bradley and David Basil are both our friends, and I know Uh, this is a question. If you were interviewed by those two guys, they would never ask. But I've got to ask because this is a chick interview. (laughs) So should I brace myself no, no, I'm, sure. I'm looking over at you yeah. you're look looking nervous and so I'm nervous he's always nervous yeah, right. all my children are nervous when I get on the radio yeah, uh, I get on stage they're always nervous but uh, talk about meeting your wife Dana at the uh, Razor Rex well uh, you know she followed me around and you know I finally gave in and let her I gave her an autograph <laughs> no oh my god <laughs> kind of true she no, kind of said no, that no, no, no she did not say that i can promise you that <laughs> <laughs> um, was it love at first sight uh man i don't know i mean i i liked her i mean i knew that i mean i wanted to go out with her again so i mean i don't think i knew what love was so i mean you know i, I wouldn't say it was love from an ignorance point from my standpoint, <laughs> that probably should have been love. Sure. Those dumb athletes, <laughs> you know, they're dense up there. So but how did y'all meet? Carla Hilburn, Tommy Hilburn, who's my partner in Corky's. Oh. I knew Carla before I knew Tommy. And Carla was dear friends with uh, Scott Hastings, who was my roommate uh, when I first got there. He was on the basketball team. And I got to know her 
through Scott, and because Scott's girlfriend then at the time, Judy, was Carla's best friend. So it kind of, I just kind of was rooming with Scott, got to know Carla, and then I remember one day, you know, I just was looking at Carla, and I was like, man, you got to help a brother out, man. You got all the women running around the Kyle Mega house. I mean, help a dude out, man. <laughs> but no, so she, we, she, we went on, Dana and Carla were roommates at the time, and so they set me up. We went on a blind date. That's great. Uh-huh. The rest is history. So you and Michael Jordan have a very long history that started <laughs> even in college. In the, uh, in fact, this game that you played with Michael Jordan in Pine Bluff maybe is is often considered one of the greatest victories in the Razorback basketball history. Talk about that game where you, where the Razorbacks beat North Carolina Tar Heels. And we were trying to keep pace with Houston. Uh, Houston was. Uh, had Fasama Jamma. They were mm-hmm. they were an incredible team, and we were in a conference race with them, one game behind them. And so was that the SEC? Well, we in SWC, the yeah, Southwest, Southwest Conference. Conference then. And so we had, you know, we had two games that week. We had to go to Texas A&M and then play at SMU. Both teams were very very good. We knew we had to win both of those games, and then back back then. Uh, they always had a Sunday national game on NBC, and so they scheduled our game with North Carolina on that Sunday. So we went Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and we didn't even really talk about North Carolina, but we had, we escaped a real close game, and College Station won that. And then Saturday afternoon played SMU and played a great game and beat them on their home floor. And then we were going to hop a plane and go to Little Rock and then Pine Bluff the next day. And we couldn't get out because there were tornadoes. So we spent the night in Dallas because uh, Coach Sutton just said, we're going back to the hotel. We're not going to sit here in this airport Mm-mm. and not know. Mm-hmm. And so we went back. And the next morning, we got up early and had had breakfast, put our uniforms on in Dallas, got dressed and taped and warm-ups and everything, got on our charter, and flew to Pine Bluff and walked in, put our bags down. And Started playing. Played North wow. Carolina. <laughs> On national TV. Yeah, number one team in the country. Against Michael Jordan. Yeah, they were undefeated and number one. It's I think, And I think that helped us because we went, didn't spend all week mm-hmm. watching Worrying film going, oh my, I mean, we weren't even, we didn't even talk about them till Saturday night. We didn't even, because... That those weren't the games we had to win. We were trying to get, stay up with Houston. Which is the other game in the, I think in the same year that you played, yep. uh, yep. you played Hakeem. Olajuwon. Al- yeah, thanks for saying that. <laughs> From Houston. And it's called, so these two games are in the same year, and it's called one of the most memorable games in Arkansas. So one of the greatest victories, and then one of the most memorable games. So talk about that game. This guy, yeah, yeah, in fact, no. you got nicknamed the Nightmare after that. <laughs> yeah, that was Dick Emberg back, in, you know, God rest his soul. They were, <clears throat> we were walking into Houston uh, to play them the first time. And they were, that game was on TV too. Or, yeah, I believe that was right. And he was like, you know, it's Akeem the Dream. We, 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 we have to do this thing before the game, you know, Joe, that, you know, we want to do a boxing kind of tail of the tape thing. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old I don't, I'm like kind of like yes sir you know yes sir <laughs> yes sir yes sir and yeah. he's like we got the dream you know we need a nickname for you what's your nickname and I said I I don't have it not Joe yeah. <laughs> people call me Joe and he goes well how about if I call you Nightmare would that bother you and I was like no I'm, I mean what I wasn't going to tell him yeah and, and, yes sir but yeah. everybody <laughs> in Arkansas hated that after that game you know they had a huge contest to, to Find me a nickname. <laughs> what did it come out to be? Smoking Joe from oh, Slater Mill. Joe. There you go. Oh, yeah. And then you end up in the barbecue business. I would do yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Arkansas Razorback legend, Mr. Joe Klein. Still to come, Joe's fifteen year NBA career, playing with legends like Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and more. And last, life in the slow lane, moving back to Arkansas and starting Corky's Barbecue. What's he doing now? We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. 
Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Kerry founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Kerry's experience and leadership knowledge. In 2020, Kerry McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years, and more recently opened a satellite office in Miami, Florida. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags, theflagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the NBA retired basketballer, Mr. Joe Klein, K-L-E-I-N-E, and owner of Corky's Barbecue Restaurant in Central Arkansas. That's a German name. You know how it's pronounced? How? Kleiner. Do you know what Kleiner means in German? Tall. Little. Small. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, got on a, I got on an elevator in Houston. And I heard him speaking German, and I, and I said, "Do you want to guess my name?" And they were like, "You know, big." Tall. And I pulled out my driver's license and showed it to them, and they thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> I <ever>. did too. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> In 1985, Joe, you graduated, and you're watching the NBA draft. I guess. Where are you when you heard the news and no, describe it? No, I was there. They flew us all to to New York. So you were picked sixth in the first round to go to Sacramento Kings. What did you think? You know, I thought I was going to California. Well, Sacramento's not California like you th- you think of it. You, right. You, when you think of California, you think of beaches and L.A. and San Francisco. And I mean, Sacramento was a farming community in oh. the San Joaquin Valley, and just a great town. Loved it, and it was actually a perfect fit for me because of the type of town it was. It was a very blue-collar, uh, you know, smaller uh, uh, town. And it, I just, man, really loved living there. It was a great fit. The team was awful, but it was a great place to live. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what does Dana think now? You're leaving. We just, we didn't really know. I mean, we, we weren't even, when I got drafted, we weren't even engaged. I mean, we, I was going to, later that summer probably didn't take you long to decide to get engaged no no we got we got engaged in uh, august i believe and then she went off and was a flight attendant for a little while oh really yeah and um, flew for american airlines really loved it and then we got married the following summer after my rookie year in 1986 and then uh, she kind of did flight attendant stuff for about Till she got pregnant. The NBA has changed so much from <laughs> when you played. Oh, man. You know, I don't think people realize it, but prior to probably the L.A. Lakers and Magic Johnson era, maybe around that time, it was not... No, it was dying. Yes. When before Bird and Magic, when they got drafted, they kind of saved the NBA. Did they you made... watch the winning? The, the... I haven't. No, I didn't. I haven't watched that. I, I, you know, I... I seen bits and pieces i mean there's what's funny about that is you know it's it's a docudrama it's right it's not completely yeah, it so tells like you everybody's right like you know they make jerry west look bad so bad was jerry west and i was like first of all this is not a documentary right <laughs> i yes. mean they're making jerry west look bad to add flavor to the mm-hmm. you know so you need an antagonist yeah, yeah. so i, I you know, I, I haven't. I, you know, Basil, it's not Basil, that good. Basil wants me to. It's okay, but he, it's not that he good. He loved it, so he's like, you "I tell watch you what's it. good, the Last Dance." No, yeah, no. Were you in the Last yeah, Dance? Yeah. Oh, I got to go watch it again. That I just loved it. No, was, How accurate was it? Very. So, for our listeners, the winning is is a docudrama on, uh, I guess, Netflix. The, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's all about the Lakers and Magic, and it's a docudrama, and it says right there on the top, not exactly accurate, because yeah. my husband would say he was like that. I said, "Honey, it's a movie." Yeah. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, I keep forgetting." And then, uh, and then, the Last Dance though is a real documentary. No, it, was, it was very well done. It's very. I, mean, I was very, I was very skeptical, and when they, but when they came to interview me. Um, I didn't really know what was going on. This guy kept emailing me and calling me, kind of like you did. And <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, he's uh, not. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking some, this is going to be like Steve Sullivan pulling up and dropping a tripod and putting a mic on, mic on me in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they showed up 
uh, at Corky's, and there was like five dudes, and I was like kind of looking at them, and they had a lighting guy, and they had a sound guy, and they had a, and so finally I looked at them, I said, no, okay, what is this for? Because <laughs> I was like, well, who I did do it? I can't remember. I can't, I who can't, produced it? I can't, I can't remember. remember. But you know, they were like, this is a ten part kind of he said it's 30 for 30 but not 30 for 30 it's a drama on the last season of the bulls and uh it's a 10 part and i was kind of like oh okay we call that a docu-series yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. it was good yeah and they started asking me questions and a lot of stuff they were asking me i was in my mind i'm going like how you know how did you know that you know how did you you know Mm -hmm. who you've been talking to yeah they had done their research yeah yeah, they had done it they did it they did a great job so in 92 Um, so I'm going to tell our listeners, we kind of touched on it. You went out to Sacramento and you had been used to winning. You had been, as we just talked about, you'd been winning as a Razorback (laughs) and having some of the best games the Razorbacks ever had. Uh, and now you go out there to Sacramento first, you know, first round pick. You think you're a boy in the NBA, but your team is no good. Well, our first year, we had a pretty good year, but we started off really poorly and then, like from January 1st to the end of the year, we had like the third best record in the league. I mean, we really kind of started clicking. And, that was the first year? Yeah, and we made we made the playoffs. We lost to Houston in a, in a five-game series. And then that summer, they traded everybody. And it was Why? Great question. <laughs> and and what we got back, we got, you know, we traded like three or four guys, three guys to get one guy. And the one guy we got back, he wasn't a franchise type player, which is mm-hmm. what they thought he was going to be, mm-hmm. and so just playing terrible, doing bad, fire the coach, hire a coach, fire oh. the fire coach, hire a coach. So I think I had four coaches in three and a half years. Oh, and probably forty different teammates. It oh. was. You were happy when the Boston Celtics, when they traded I, you. I mean, I wasn't happy. To, I, I liked Sacramento. It was a great town. And, you know, you just kind of wanted to make it work. You felt like you got – but it wasn't going to work there. Was yeah. that the year your son was born? Uh, my son was born the same half hour I got traded. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I was in the labor room very early in the morning. You know, Daniel's coming, and nurse nurse walks in and pops her head in there and goes – you have a very, very urgent phone call that you have to take. It's from Jerry Reynolds, who's a coach of the Kings. And I was like, does he know where I am right now? (laughs) And then, you know, walked back in and Daniel was born. And, you know, 36 hours later, I was like, see y'all later. Oh, my gosh. Is your wife just so understanding? she She was still in the hospital. She came home without me. I had to go. Oh. Yeah, it was... It was a great day, but it was a, you know, crappy day. So too. was he born in California, I guess? Yeah, Sacramento. Is that when they decided to do the Olympics? What had happened with the Olympics is that, you know, we always dominated. We always dominated. Well, you know, basketball's growing internationally. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you have these players coming over, you know, Marshallonis, Arvidas Sabonis, you know, Tony Kukoc, these guys coming from other countries and playing for pro teams. So people started to become more familiar with these pro players and started gaining respect. Like They were great NBA players. Well, now all of a sudden we go in over, take our band of college players over there, we play against a team full of pros. pros. And it's, it had always been like that, but now people recognized mm-hmm. You know, before you didn't know who they were because they didn't play in the NBA. They were never over here. So you were like, yeah, oh, Ferdinand Martin, who played for Spain for years and was a great player. Nobody in the United States had a clue who that guy is. Oscar Schmidt, who played for Brazil, unbelievable player. Nobody knew who he was, you know. But now you got Drazen Petrovic and Tony Kukoc, and he plays for the Nets. He plays for the Blazers. He plays. And so they drum us. And now all of a sudden everybody's like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so the Olympics was always amateurs playing, yeah. right? And so in 88, we won the bronze and, st- and got beat by, I believe it was Lithuania or the Soviet Union. I can't remember, but they were they were full of pros. They were pros that people knew were pros. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, the, yeah. And so that kind of, everybody was like, 
well, this can't, you know, we're not going to let this happen anymore. Well, that was very controversial to go from amateurs to pros in the Olympics because the United States had always kind of right. had a... Well, no, if, if, if they would have won the gold that year, it would have never happened. Mm-hmm. We got mm-hmm. beat and we got our feelings hurt and you said we're thought going we pro. were being cheated. And so we were like, we're gonna, okay, we're going to take our pros over there. So let's see. Who, who, <laughs> let's see. Who, the good old American one. Yeah. <laughs> who was in the dream team? In 92, that was, uh, oh my, that was Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, David Robinson, uh, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, um, Larry Bird, um, Magic Johnson. So eventually, you stayed. You stayed with the Boston Celtics and had a great year. Yeah, for five, almost five years. Yeah. And then you, this is, kills me. So you you go to the Phoenix Suns and I'm not, and you stayed there three years. You stayed everywhere about three years. Yeah, I was there, yeah right. Three to five years. Yeah. yeah. And then you. But towards the end, I got I started hopping around like a used car salesman. <laughs> I, was, I was going everywhere. I was having a cup of coffee everywhere. <laughs> well, um, you you probably wish you'd have gone ahead and retired. I mean, I wasn't tired of the game. I was kind of tired of moving because, I mean, except for when I got traded to New Jersey, which was uh, in the middle of the – the year was about 10 weeks away from being over. New Jersey wasn't going to make the playoffs, and I was like – and and when I got traded to the Lakers right before I got traded to New Jersey um, – from Phoenix, I, I was, you know, it's just the kids were in school and just it, 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 they had to stay there. I mean, that was just yeah. there was no way around that. And so I think, and then after New Jersey is when I went to the Bulls, and we mm-hmm. all we all went up there together, and that was a great year and a lot, of, a lot of fun living there. It was a good city, and and then um, came back, and the Bulls wanted me to stay another year, but. You know, Michael and them were gone, and I wasn't going to – I didn't want to deal with that. And so came back, and we had a str- – that's when we had an NBA strike for about half the year, and I ended up playing for Phoenix Again. for like a half a year. And then my last year, I thought I was going to stay in Phoenix. They said they were going to – they wanted me to stay, and I kept waiting around for them, and uh, Portland called me. And – you know, I was I was like, all right, I'm gone. Went to Portland and had a had a great time up there. Just a, another great city, and the kids and everybody went up there and going to school. But at that point, I was in my 15th year and just it's a young man's game, right? And just getting warmed up for practice, getting stretched out, trying to stay loose on the bench, just and- everything. You know, it just as as you age. Everything gets harder. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I just and I just couldn't play anymore. I couldn't play like I wanted to play. And teams wanted me to stick around and basically, you know, be a babysitter. You know, but yeah. when I retired, I had teams want me to come back, and we'd already moved here, and my kids were in school, and I was like, you know, I'm done, guys. I'm I'm done. <laughs> and and uh, and and just, but I knew the role I would play. And I wasn't quite ready to just kind of sit on the bench and get a check and yep. babysit everybody. Yeah, right. Um, you know, playing past your prime kind of hurts your averages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have – I would play – like when they needed me, I'd play four or five games in a row and have, you know, 15 points a game, 10 points a game. And then when the guy got healthy again, I was – Mm-hmm. That was your kind of that was MO. Your, that was my role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, and, and to Daryl, you know, old guys who stick around the NBA, uh-huh. they figure out what their role is. And they figure out, you know what, this is a really good job. <laughs> this is a really good, really well-paying job that's going to do a lot, do a lot of time. Yeah, but you've got to be able to do a lot of good things for your family. And so, you know, the smart ones figure out, Everybody wants to be an NBA All-Star. Everybody everybody goes to the NBA thinking, I'm going to be the next this and next that. Well, everybody can't be that. And so you better you better find your niche. It's, probably, it's like in any job, mm-hmm. Any, mm-hmm. anything. You better, you, know, you better find what you're good at and what can stick, keep you sticking around mm-hmm. and getting paid for as long as you can. And the smart ones do that. So you 
were lucky enough to spend a year with the Chicago Bulls and play the year that Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen played their last year. What the whole movie The Last Dance is about, you are part of that year. How, How... Tell us how exciting that had to be. <laughs> no, it was, it was uh, you know, I'd been around some really good players now. I'd been in the locker room with Larry, Kevin, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Charles Barkley, Dan Marley, uh, you know, A.C. Green, uh, Shaq, Kobe, Jason Kidd. I mean, I'd, I'd, I've been with some dudes now. and But that, that was... That was like the Beatles. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was like traveling with the Beatles. It was. It's just you can't. Oh, their their star quality. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere we went, didn't matter what time we pulled up to the hotel. Sometimes it was two or three in the morning in Milwaukee in January, before five hundred people out there. Just what? Just so they could watch Michael walk walk. in. But you didn't know that they were having when you got when you went there. You didn't know they were having trouble. You know, I didn't. I thought it was like, man, this is gonna and they. You know, you got in there real quick. You know, there was a lot of animosity. Between the owner and Phil uh, Jackson, yeah. the coach. Yeah. Jerry and Krause, who was the general manager. But Jerry Krause basically did what the owner told yeah. him to do. So, I mean. And why, the was, owner, he, the why owner, was that owner so, why were they so irritable? They had this great winning team. Well, it but what it always comes down to, money. Oh. When, when Michael and Scotty signed contracts, the, the NBA pay was going nuts year to year. These guys signed four or five-year contracts. Well, their contracts after one year were obsolete for what they did. I mean, they were they were two of the best players in the league, and they were paid around 50th. And, Are you and kidding they, me? Yeah, and they wouldn't, and the Bulls would not renegotiate. The Bulls would not redo it. They said, you signed this, we're not. And so that just started the animosity. You know, but it was there. Like, you were, the tension was, I mean, it was real. Well, yeah. everybody needs to go watch The Last Dance. It's good. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with former Razorback center and retired NBA player, Mr. Joe Klein. Still to come, a game with Joe, because he likes games. We're going to play a fun word association game. We'll be right back. Yikes. <laughs> We're lucky in Arkansas to have lakes and rivers that are just so inviting. If you've got a boat, freshen it up with a new flag from flagandbanner.com and save 10% right now. Here's a cool idea. You can spell out your name or your boat's name with international code signal pennants. Flagandbanner.com has a huge selection of nautical-themed products, and it's fun just to browse through the galleries and the boating pages on our website get to learn what those flags and pennants represent. We even have nautical-themed home decor ideas. Flagandbanner.com, where you can save 10% site-wide right now with the code KN10. Also, be sure to shop OurCornerMarket.com for even more ideas. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the seven-foot-tall Mr. Joe Klein, owner of Corky's Barbecue, former Razorback Center, and retired NBA baller with an impressive 15-year career, having played 965 games for seven franchises with 204 starts, and uh, owner of the much-coveted National Championship Ring. You shared the court with some legends, Larry Bird, who I think is a friend of yours, Charles Barkley, who I think is a friend of yours, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Rodney, Rodney uh, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Uh, and you didn't play with Magic Johnson, but you played against him, so you knew him. So I like games. You like games. So here's this is the game. Oh boy. <laughs> he's, he's scared. Uh, uh, this is a one word. You have to give me one word for each player when I tell it to you. Larry Bird. Country. Country. Love that. <laughs> that's not what I thought you said. Like me. That's why yeah, y'all man. like each yeah. other so much. Uh, Charles Barkley. Genuine. Really? He is funny and genuine. Yeah. I, I, I only had one word. That's I right. wanted to say that's, funny, but I couldn't. That's, so. what, that's what I thought you'd say. Uh, Kobe Bryant. Young. When I knew him, he was... When I was around him, he was 17. Oh, so my he Lord, was, yeah. <laughs> he was a pup. Yeah. Shock. 
Again, I'm trying Don't to say it. One word. No, I mean, <laughs> surprised. Surprised? He surprised me when I played with him because I thought he was going to be a real diva yeah. kind of, and he was just the opposite. He was a really, he was a good dude. Boy, he was big. I bet <laughs> oh, you yeah. two guys yeah. squaring off on each other. I mean, I know I'm big. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm nothing like him. It was, it was, wow. it was surreal to be around him and play against him. It was, it was. There's nothing you could do. Nothing you could do. <laughs> I mean, you were at his mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jordan. Goat. Greatest of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. G-O-A-T. Sure. Oh, yeah. Scotty Pippen. Arkansas. Dennis Rodman. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a nicer word than crazy, but <laughs> he just, he, walked, he was harmless, 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 but. You know, the phrase, that guy walks to the beat of his own drum, that is 100% made for Dennis Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Magic Johnson. Great. He is? Yeah, he was. I think he's the most underrated player ever to play in the NBA. You do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably because he's so friendly and likable and stuff that... I mean, he went to the NBA Finals... I want to say eight out of ten years in a row. Now, it may not be that much, but, I mean, he won five NBA championships. I mean, his his resume and what he did is right up there with Michael's. Okay, this is a coach, Phil Jackson. <laughs> Zen. Zen. He was always, we were always doing yoga, and burn, <laughs> he was burning a... Burning sage. Have you ever Gosh, smelled I, sage? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. It smells like marijuana. Yeah. And he was, the, my first game in the, with the Bulls, he went, walked through the locker room with oh, sage. Sage the rocker room. <laughs> right. And I was sitting there, and he had just walked through there when I got in there, and Steve Kerr and all these guys, they were, they were kind of like watching me. And I mean, I was sitting there, and I was, I was like, That's, somebody's in here smoking marijuana. I That's said, this so is funny. What the hell's going on here? You know, and I was like, and I was like looking around, going back in the shower, and they were all kind of chuckling. I was like, "Fellas, you don't smell that? What are you talking about, Joe?" And I was like, "Somebody's in here smoking marijuana." And then right then and there, Phil comes walking through the locker room again with smoking with sage, yeah, yeah. sage mm-hmm. that he gets from South. You know, so is he getting rid of demons and yeah, stuff? Bad spirits. Bad spirits. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that? How about Coach Eddie Sutton from the Razorbacks from your youth? father oh nice and i gotta ask you because we did not talk about this but bobby knight was the coach when you played in the olympics and yeah. you want to go medal t- i i bobby knight give me a word for him intense oh so this is what i think of when i think of bobby knight this is when i first started playing basketball he threw a, a, chair. <laughs> a chair i was watching that game when he threw that chair yeah. across there and i was like okay i'm watching from now on out yeah mm-hmm. he was crazy the drama did you go when he was in Little Rock and he was came to talk to parents and children? I wasn't. I wasn't here. No, I heard about it, though. Cussed like a yeah, damn yeah. sailor. <laughs> yeah. Where everybody was like, well, that was real inspiring for the children and their parents. Yeah. Uh, I guess Wally Hall wrote kind of an article about him that day, and then he, he chastised Wally in that same, in that same speech. So uh. I kind of – I always chuckle when I when – I, sit around Wally and I are having a beer or something I was like man you know Bobby Knight was such a good guy and it just <laughs> <laughs> it starts right. it starts it going right there <laughs> all right that was fun let's take our last break and then we'll come back and wind the show up um when we come back we're gonna talk about uh Joe being the ESPN commentator working uh, are you still doing any UALR work no he was coaching for UALR here in Little Rock for a little while. And then last about Entrepreneurial Joe, life as the owner of Corky's Barbecue in Central Arkansas. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. When you listen to the program every week, you probably think you've gotten to know a little bit about Carrie's personality. But if you really want to know what she's like, check out her blog posts at flagandbanner.com. They're archived from way back and her thoughts on recent developments around the country in her life and at flagandbanner.com are represented there too. The Bannerisms blog posts at flagandbanner.com.
You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Mr. Joe Klein, owner of Corky's Barbecue, former Razorback Center, and the retired NBA baller. So now, it's the end of your career. You've retired. What did you and Dana think you were going to come do? And why did you pick Little Rock when you're from Missouri? When we first got married, we we got married in Dallas. She was from Dallas, and, and this is in the in '86. And we always, back early on, we were like, "We're coming back to Dallas. What a cool city!" Mm-hmm. You know what? And then you know, Dallas just kept getting bigger and bigger. And we'd go back to see her parents, and it's like, "Yeah, I don't need any of this." And we, when I got traded to Boston um, in Sacramento. We had a house in Sacramento, and we went up to Boston and looked around for a little bit, and we couldn't, you know, the the, the difference in the markets mm-hmm. was, <laughs> it was, you know, we had $350,000. We thought we were going to get us a, a mansion. And right, mm-hmm. yeah. They were showing us apartments. Yeah. <laughs> Not in Boston. And so we kind of said, you know what, we're just, and we weren't going to, I mean, we liked the Boston, but we weren't going to live there, because all our family and everybody was back this way, so... We said, you know what? Let's let's go to Little Rock for the summer, and we and we came back here. We bought a house, and uh, and uh, just you know, kind of have a base. We wanted to have a base, and just really enjoyed it and liked it. And so our kids were really young, so they weren't in school yet. So you know, we didn't have to be back in Boston until October when practice started. So our summers were longer. And so we we would just come back here in the summer and just kind of got entrenched into the community a little bit. And and then, um, you know, in 1996, we sold our house here when we went to Phoenix because our kids were going to school and housing was much more affordable there. We got a nice house there. And so we were from 92 to to about uh, 2000, we had a house in Phoenix or 93. And... Um, but we started Corky's in 96, and so it was... When did you retire? 2000. So when I retired... So you started Corky's before you retired? I had no idea. And so when we retired, it was kind of like, you know, we like it there, and I I had a lot of opportunities to go into NBA coaching, but I just, I know that lifestyle, and... um, it's just like you're going to be somewhere two years, mm-hmm. and then you're going to be mm-hmm. somewhere two years. You're, you're hired to be fired. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just – that didn't really appeal to me at that time. And so we had Corky's here, and it was like, hey, we'll come back here and start working there and figure it out. So Corky's is a franchise from out Memphis. Of, out of Memphis, yes. Did you know that guy before? Or no, how'd you pick Corky's? I'd never heard of Corky's. How'd you pick it? Tommy. Tommy, Your friend, my friend Tom. Kilburn. So he's here Carla, running it. Carla, he 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 came. He started Backyard Burgers here. Oh, really? And then, and then they Backyard Burgers went corporate, mm-hmm. and so they bought him out. And so he got it. He he really did well with it. And so he wanted to do something else. And so he went over and looked at Corky's, and uh, you know we found the pizza land out there in West Little Rock, and. He approached me about it, and I, and I knew it would be successful because I knew him. I'd, I'd never heard of Corky's in my life. Well, the food's great. I, I, I didn't know. When he said Corky's, I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. I was mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah. It's my favorite barbecue well, in, thank the, you. in the city. Well, thank you. And uh, and it just kind of went from there. You like, you like the franchise model, business model? I like our franchise model because... I, I chuckle when they say we're a franchise because uh-huh. it doesn't feel like it. No, we're mom and pop. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we, I mean we're mm-hmm. we're putting out like you see me today. I oh, mean, I, see, like, <laughs> I see you there all the time. Yeah, and if I you mean, go that, in there, you're have, in there. We're a franchise. I think by name only. Yeah, you know, I interviewed a uh, banker one time and asked him if you were going to get into a business, what kind of a business you should get into, and he said franchises. He said they're great. They're great business models. Of course, you got to get in a good one like you've yeah, got. You've yeah. got the perfect one. That it really, you. it really helped us. I think, I think especially when we, uh, the early years, because mm-hmm. there was, you know, I didn't recognize it, but I wasn't living here all the time. So, mm-hmm. so it had that, that instant, you know, people in Little knowledge. Rock, people in Little Rock. Had been to Corky's. Oh, I see. 
And so it kind of gave us a little... Name recognition. Little, yeah, exactly. Well, you seem a lot... What do you think your uh, business theory is? I believe if you're going to be a good boss, you have, especially in our business, you know, you can't just sit back in the office and point and say, you know, you need to do this and you need, you know, you have to show, you have to work, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing in Corky's I haven't done, mm -hmm. nothing. I mean, there's, I've, I've done the bathrooms, I've cleaned the grease trap, I've cleaned the, I mean, there's been spills on the back dock that are absolutely gross and guess who's doing it and so i mean i think you have to show that mm -hmm. so that it's like my thing is like look you know this is you know people have their jobs and their accountability things that they're accountable for uh and you have to show that you know you're not just saying you do this you know that you do it too and mm -hmm. i think that's a good way to lead you know i don't want to do it all the time because that's mm -hmm. what i'm paying you for right but no, no job is beneath me, and I think that sets a very good. When you show that, it's, I think it sets a very good tone to everybody that works for you. I agree, because when you come out to your business, or when you call your business, or when you go to your website, visit your website, there is pride in everybody you talk to on the phone. There is pride in everybody that waits on you at the table. The website is up to date, looks good. You can tell that y'all are hands on. So. I think it really does reflect all the way out from what you just said all the way out to the patrons. I think they see that very, very well. What do you think about Eric, Coach uh, Eric Musselman? I love it. Don't you love him? I just, I think uh, it was just a tremendous, it was a great hire. Uh, he's a guy that is a basketball junkie. Just, uh, he's basketball 24-7. His hobby is probably basketball. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's just, he's constantly recruiting. He's constantly. And I think doing, his wife you know, likes it. Yeah, well, yeah, and websites and funny things. I mean, he's just very, he's very in touch with the youth of today. You know, that's how you get him. Instagram, TikTok, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I mean, he's. He's out there seeing them and talking to them and, you know, making offers to kids when they're sophomores in high school. Mm -hmm. And I am always, I like, of all of football and um, basketball, I like college because I'm shocked at these young adults, not even adults hardly, that are on the national stage making big decisions with so much pressure. How do those kids deal with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, did, I had to do it, but it wasn't. How like did you a, deal with it? Were well, you just it, naive? No I, rem, no, I remember. I mean, it was it was difficult, you know, because you you're having to talk to people like, you know, Norm Stewart, the head of Missouri, Joby Hall, the head coach at Kentucky, and you're you're having to tell them no. Mm -hmm. And you're and my dad was an old school guy. He was like, you know, you're gonna grow, you're gonna talk to them, and you're gonna you're gonna tell them. You know, you're going to uh -huh. be respectful to mm -hmm. them, and I'm, right. not, I'm not going to tell them. The coach is not going to tell them. You're going to be a man about this, and you're going to call them up, and you're going to tell them, hey, I'm going to Notre Dame. But and then when you get ready to go out and play, and you're going to be on TV that day, how do you get the kahunas to get out there and just give it its all in front of so many people? Well, I think it's kind of a gradual, you know, you kind of, as you're growing up in high school, you just kind of gradually morph into that. So, you oh. know, you don't, you know, you you start, you know, and you play in front of a thousand people in high school mm -hmm. or a packed little gym, and uh -huh. that's a big deal. And then you go to the state playoffs, and, uh -huh. and then, you know, and then you go to college, and it's, that's kind of a, a minute where it's like, whoa, you yeah. know, this is, but and then it just, you know, and then you're on TV, and then it just kind of, kind of evolves, and then after you, after you do it for a little while, you just, you're just playing ball, man. You're just going out there, and it's like, you mm. just kind of, you're able to kind of practice. I was, practice, a, I was practice, able practice. to kind of just, you were aware of the crowd, you were aware of the enormity of the game, or you were aware that it was on TV, but you just. Did the crowd ever share? You know, they always act like you know. Sometimes you'll see players do like this. You know, like get the crowd into it. Does that help? Oh yeah, no. Playing at home is huge because you just you're you have encouragement. You just you know it's you just, so when you're on the road and there's nobody encouraging you, you. No, it's but it's but that is also fun because it's just you and the guys. You know, oh. you're standing in the tunnel before you go out, 
and you know you're going to get booed and everything and it's just you guys all huddle up and you kind of like you know and it's just it's the ultimate you know us against the world feeling mm-hmm. you know let's go do this that's the that's the thing that you miss more than anything you still stay in touch with anybody oh yeah, yeah. uh are you still doing espn commentary much yeah, I did. I, this is everybody asks me all the time, and I go, "This is how I answered." They, you know, I'm on a year-to-year contract, so and that's fine. I mean, and I, I started off, you know, the whole thing started off by Jimmy Dykes calling me one day. It was Mike Anderson's last game in Bud Walton Arena, and it was against Alabama, and uh, the guy doing the color couldn't get in, and they oh. couldn't. They were like, "Do you know anybody?" that can do this game in yeah. Fayetteville and Jimmy was gone he wasn't in Fayetteville and so he called me that morning he was like hey what are you doing I was like I'm going to Corky's <laughs> what do you think I'm doing and, and he's like hey you know ESPN needs you to get in a car and drive up drive up and you're going to be on do the ESPN game at three o'clock against Alabama I did that game and that, you know that was great and then and then I did 16 last year no and that's so, a lot and so since all this has been going on, we have all that in-home studio stuff. Right. And, and so I tell everybody, I say, are you going to do it next year? And I said, well, they have not asked for their equipment back, so right. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a contract, but I, they haven't, you know, they, they haven't asked for anything back. So, I, yeah. I mean, do I Do you assume, like it? I do. I like uh, it. keeps you around the game. Yeah. It's so fun. You've had such a great <laughs> career. So I brought you a desk set. It's the all U.S. Right. flag. The Arkansas flag, the Missouri flag, and the Colorado flag where you were born. Well, I should have brought you. you a Notre Dame, Notre Dame, <laughs> Indiana flag. All right. Thanks again. You're welcome. Enjoy I'm gonna, it very I, much. Uh, in closing, to our listeners, I want to say thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's very inspiring or enlightening. And that what it, whatever it is will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, email me, Gray, that's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple to help you live the American dream.